You're listening to the Superpod HeroCast, a Night Shift Radio production. Hello, I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic. The Superpod HeroCast supports the striking writers and performers in their negotiation with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Neither Casey nor myself are members of either of the striking unions, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, But we believe that the stories we love and the movies that capture our wonder would not be possible without the writers and performers currently on strike. We are on the side of these artists. Our podcast does not promote struck work nor the work that would be struck today. Rather than promote, we dissect, analyze, and opine on these movies. We think that we can continue to produce our podcast while supporting the striking artists. If you are able, we ask you to support the WGA and SAG-AFTRA and their members as they fight for modern contracts that reflect modern issues. For more information, you can go to SAGAFTRAStrike.org or WGA.org or find the links in our liner notes. Thank you, and be heroic. Todd, if we don't pull a good movie tonight, oh. it, the podcast may be over. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I we had, can't. We had six good seasons, you know, that's uh, more than most get. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Episode 122. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic. And, and we, we watch Spawn. Spawn. Todd, you took a little pause there after I said the episode number where you're like, holy shit, Casey remembered. I was really impressed. Sometimes I will, <laughs> you know, peek behind the curtain. Sometimes I'll goose you with the number just before we do that, just to make sure. But you had it there, buddy. You must have loved this movie so much. Oh, but let me tell you why, in the (laughs) immortal words of one Mr. Robin Williams. (laughs) Buddy, we we both had good weekends. Uh, You got to see your your oldest perform in a wonderfully funny production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, My middle child. Oh, yeah. Hey. (laughs) Your oldest with Aubrey. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's right. <laughs> Your oldest still living in the right, house. Right now, Christian is uh, wounded and clutching his chest. My my bonus dad betrayed me. No, it's, <laughs> sorry, bonus son. <laughs> Call me more more often. I remember who you were. That's right. There you go. <laughs> there, that's the true dad comment there right it there. Is. Yep. Um, and I also got to see Elliot perform in Newsies. Yes, where. <laughs> She thought she was a prostitute as one of the Anne Margaret characters, the backup dancers. I'm like, baby, no, you're a burlesque dancer. Very different. She's like, it's the same thing. I'm like, I assure you, it's not. Because one is legal, and one is only legal in certain parts of the country. Oh, my. Okay. Well, um, okay. And then, (laughs) after all that, we had to watch this shit movie. Yeah. Oh. Great fun weekend, lots of fun, laughs, and then this movie just came in and shat all over everything. You know, I was a, uh, so I'm a fan of Todd McFarlane. I've talked mm-hmm. about him before, you know, his work and the you Hulk. You love his Spider-Man. action figures. Uh, his action figures. Um, I'm a fan of Spawn the comic book. I forgot how bad this movie was. 
I did too. I knew it was bad, but yeah. going into this, how bad it was, I was like, oh God. Oh, no wonder it's taken so long for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> you know, ironically, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, before today. Uh, you, you know, I wish we had done. So after this fails, frankly, at the box office, HBO picks up an animated series and they do it as a rated R animated series. And it's a it's a better property. I You know, I would have rather have done that. So would this have been is this the same problem that we had with the first Punisher, the first Punisher we watched, the Dolph Lundgren one? That's right. a PG-13 movie, right? Oh no, it's got to be R. I you think see it was his, R. Yeah, you see, it's but but it's not like it's not uh, Punisher War Zone. Rest in peace, Ray. Right. Um, but it is. Would this movie be better if it was if it went for the hard R that apparently it originally did? You know, so I I I think the problem is you can't you can't make this movie in 1997 with the CGI that was available in 1997, which is um, why... God, they didn't even try with some of the CGI in this movie. I, it, it, I mean, you know, I, it's a note later, in my, but we'll say it here, right? Like, it, it comes off as a bad video game cutscene, right? Like... Are you talking about Malibolgia? Sure, Malibolgia. I mean, yeah. he's horrible, uh, yeah. But the, fu- and, you know, the fight in hell, like, well, well you know what? <laughs> Let's not get into that. Let, let us talk about first since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes what are we drinking hey dear tsphc army sorry to cut you off if i'm talking very low and quiet it's because uh i had full sweeney todd rehearsal we did the whole show yesterday just just wing it see what happens and i am wrecked yeah how long has it been since you Sang, buddy. Assassins. Oh yeah, holy cow. Okay, that- assassins. And and I was talking about it last night. You know, like assassins was kind of moderate singing, not too hard. I mean, it's Sondheim, so still, but it's not mm-hmm. stretching my range or pushing my my limits. But it was a lot of acting. You know, that last scene between Booth and um, Oswald. This not a whole. Sweeney's not a layered character let's say he's out for revenge he's kind of batman-esque in his he's always brooding and angry sure. a couple of times he gets a little manic nothing crazy so the he's so singing serious. in this show he's so serious he's from the dc universe is that what you're talking he about? is <laughs> but the singing in the show talon and i were actually talking about it. hi talon yeah <laughs> um that the the singing in the show there's a there's a chunk of time where i go from you know the song pretty women I'm sure you've heard it. Pretty women, fascinating. Walking down the str- oh no, that's a different. No, 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 no that's a very totally different, different. Yeah, and we can't different. pay for the rights to that one either. Yeah, so either one of them. Yeah, so, right. uh, but they're staying in. Yeah, uh, but they, um, it's that. Then this big, huge, like meltdown song, and then a, like a seven-minute song to oh, wow. end Act One. And by the end of it, I'm just like, I got, I got nothing <laughs> left. Guessed. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm on the stage the whole time. There's no time to like sneak off, take a quick drink. I'm just like, <laughs> I cannot wait to come see this, buddy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited now that actually like hearing and seeing the cast. I think we've got a pretty awesome show in our hands. Yay. Like the level people were at first rehearsal, read through, stumbling through Sondheim. Yeah, I was like, all right. You mean Sondheim, that guy that hates melodies? 
<laughs> oh, you know that he uh, his mu- his original music will show up on this podcast. No, I do not know that. <laughs> well, I'll wait till we get to it. Okay, I'm sure I'll have no idea, and you'll tell me. I go, oh, no kidding. All right, all right. Well, so, so after that little divergence, I'm so sorry. No. What are we drinking tonight? Yes, sir? yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. So uh, we are back to our number one beer spot, the amazing branching out bottle shop here in Camillus, New York. The finest beer selection you're going to find anywhere. Went in there today, saw our good friend Carissa, and. Uh, you know, through no fault of their selection, uh, had a little bit of a little bit of a hard time picking a beer, but I but I got one, um, and very happy. It's a New York State brewer. It's right down the road from us, Rock Brewing Company, down in Rochester, New York. They've been brewing craft beer in Rochester since 2011, and with nearly a decade of serving the community, uh, the Rochester community, Rock Brewing continues to transcend. My guess is they wrote that a while ago because at this point they're. Uh, over a decade, but Rock Brewing continues to transcend the constant evolution of craft beer to be a pillar in the community, whose mission remains simple, to provide great beer for the local community, to elevate the brewing community by serving as a mentor for new brewers, and to achieve notoriety for Rochester's amazing beer community whenever possible. So, we're kind of doubling back on a a joke we did way back in episode one, when we uh, did uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil? Uh, it's episode a, one. I'm sorry, season one. Sorry, <laughs> strike that, reverse it. Uh, way back in season one, we uh, we drank a style of beer that uh, the name just begs the uh, comparison. So mm-hmm. we are drinking Rock Brewing Company's raising some Hellas. Hellas being a Munich style lager. This beer is grassy with aromas of grain, berry, floral, and honey. Light bitterness mm. with gentle linger. Slight minerality and light body. Grab it here. Yes. I'm going to pop mine because I'm ready. I came prepared. I didn't come to paint. All right. And I didn't grab the stat on this, but I'm always curious. So it's a 16 ounce craft can, which I love. 5.8 ABV. I already saw. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, little. Little high test, but nothing crazy. Ooh, that is very clear. Let's see if I can get it to show. Well, up. So, yeah, it's a lager, yeah. So, wow, a, a like break it. from our IPA heavy approach. Chuck will be happy. Chuck will be happy. And I have a feeling this is going to be a very drinkable beer, but uh, oh, this is going to be so fucking crushable. I can already tell. <laughs> All right, cheers, cheers, buddy. Oh man! Oh no, that's dangerously good. It it is, and the you know the five point eight is on the heavier side. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that is. Oh, I'm going to drink that one fast. Good thing we got two of these uh, sixteen ounce craft cans. Good thing we're here to shit on a movie. Yeah, all right. So we can just get a little salty. <laughs> Holy cow! So uh, once again, if you have not, if you're in the area and you have not visited our friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop. Like, what are you even doing? I, I don't even understand. What, do you, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, make yeah. better choices. Make better choices. There's a there's a cute dog there. Barley. He he greeted the, me. He was laying right in the sun as I got close <laughs> to the door. He hopped up to give me the greeting. How can you go? What wrong? a good what a good boy. Yeah. Okay, so uh, sadly, uh, I think uh, this beer is the high point of our episode. Oh. You say that, <laughs> yeah. but wait till you hear these almost casts. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you want to start with that? 
Yeah, sure. sure. That's usually what we do next. Yeah. All right. So for Spawn, a.k.a. Al Simmons, yep. a.k.a. White Tiger, um, if you watched Arrow. That's right. Uh, a.k.a. the guy that uh, threatens the Joker in... Um, in <clears throat> The Dark Knight, yeah. The Dark Knight, which... Uh, you had a little run-in with a Dark Knight actor oh my today. God. Oh, my God. So I'm walking into Target in Fairmount here and walking out just like regular clothes, talking with his lady friend, who I so rudely interrupted, the amazing William Fichtner. Uh, I saw him. And I was like, oh, my God, sir, I'm such a fan of your work, Mr. Fichtner. Uh, and, of course, he was so gracious because I interrupted them. They were walking in mid-conversation, but he said, hey, thank you. I, I got 10 steps away. I was like, I oh, should have asked him to come on the podcast. I did, for a split second, think about turning and running back to him, and I was like, no, that'll get me uh, pepper sprayed. I'll, I'll just... And and the, he can't. What would we have him on to talk about? Uh, listen, if he comes they're on... They're not allowed can, to promote anything, but they're not allowed to promote anything. He can, talk, he can talk about anything. Like, listen, we'll find we'll find an opportunity. We'll, this is true. Yeah, we'll if, if William Fickner was somehow like, yeah, sure, I'll come on your yeah. podcast. We'll we'll ask him like, did he read comics growing up? Like, what were the stories that inspired him? Like, we'll find something. So, uh, look at you already already I, daydreaming I'm about already it. Daydreaming. So I did. I, now I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it's his Twitter account. One, it doesn't have the blue check, which doesn't mean a whole lot in. These days of uh, madman. Who cares? It's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> right. But at uh, at Bill underscore Fixner. I mean, that sounds like it because he was on the Nerdist podcast years ago, and I just always remember this. He's like, "Now, do you prefer William? Do you, you know all the stuff?" And he made a joke to Chris Hardwick. He's like, "You can call me Mister Fickner. Okay. My my friends call me Bill. And at the end of the interview. Or the conversation, he's like, you know, uh, well, Fickner, thank you so much for being on. He goes, hey, call me Bill. Uh, so, it's like, oh, what a nice guy. <laughs> as I, if I had taken 10 seconds more this morning, as I scrolled down, so this account has, um, looks like maybe a handful of tweets, maybe 11 tweets. Uh, if I scroll down a little bit, um, <laughs> uh, oh, no. I am at, Todd underscore farmer. I created this account for Bill, who said with a laugh, he's not ready. But when he is, it's here. So, hey, Todd, from another Todd, if you read, if you saw this tweet and you're reading it, I sent a very nice message apologizing for interrupting him. If he's in Syracuse, he doesn't have anything to do. Why not come hang out with a couple of cool guys? If he drinks beer, oh we'll we'll bring him some great beer and we'll just chat. Uh, yeah. Oh my God! Wait, is your namesake gonna get us William Fickner? Listen, Todd's Unite. The Todd, Come on. There are literally dozens of us. So I feel like. And yes. mostly in media, you are portrayed as idiots or assholes. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm a cool Todd. Come on, Todd. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah, do this. Let's go. Right? Yeah. 100% of the Todds I know in real life are cool Todds. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I do know two Todds, though. Just, well, need, need to be do clear. I, right? Do I know the other Todd? I don't think I do. Todd Garfield? No, I don't. I do not. He was here for a very short time. He was in uh, Superstar with me. And um, that, yeah. Okay. What he's a really great guy. Now he's a mortician down in Florida. Mm. That Which is I'm interesting. Sure. I bet <laughs> he's got some stories. It's a 
Yeah, but also he's never hurting. I mean, it's Florida for crying out loud. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Uh, okay, but we're not here to talk about the amazing Bill Fichtner, although... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not allowed to call him Bill yet. That's right. Mr. Fichtner. William. That's right. Mr. William Fichtner. That's right. Um, so, for this movie... Yes, yes. For Hal Simmons slash Spawn, I know what you're going to say at the end, so I'm just going to roll through it. Sure. Wesley Snipes, Cooper Gooding Jr., Snoop Dogg, Tony Todd... Alan Payne, Denzel Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Ving Rames, Tupac Shakur, LL Cool J, and Will Smith were all considered. So should I just say, let me every see every black guy in Hollywood? Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, that's, yep, yep. Like, I get Will Smith. He's He was on the young side. I get I mean, Tupac in, in... I mean, Denzel. But Denzel's a good decade older than Will. Well, listen, I I actually think Will Smith would have been too young at the time. Well, in 97, he had just done, He'd uh, done Independence, Independence Day, Day the, the year before. Yeah. And he was a current? Well, no, he wasn't. A, what was he in the? Was he captain? Uh, he was a. Or was he a lieutenant? Uh, let's see. They were, do I, if I remember correctly, they were Marine pilots. And I believe he was a captain. Uh, I think he was a captain, which is an 03, which is. Captain Stephen Hiller? I'm going to say, if the recesses of my mind are working right now, let me see. Yeah. Hey. Go ahead. You look up their age difference. Sure, I'm just, what... I'm just, uh, hey, honey, say hi to, say hi to Chuck. Oh, Chuck. I mean, I'm sorry. Or, or Casey. Sorry. Casey. <laughs> sorry. Hi. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck? Sorry, what, no Chuck. Chuck I don't know. I don't, no, I don't, no, no Chuck's Casey, here. I'm sorry. Yeah, she's sorry. Uh, she's sorry for why me. She's sorry. sorry for my husband. She's sorry for me. We get that a lot. Well, we get that a lot. Well, I, get, I, I have to apologize for you, too. A lot. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Listen. Tell her we, we, I said that. <laughs> that's funny stuff. Honey, he said he has to apologize for me a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we Todd's are great. <laughs> <Her> silence. <laughs> we Todd's are great, but we're not perfect. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, nobody's. Poe Buddy's nerfic. Um, now, in 97, so let's, so let's, uh-huh. let's say this film's in 96. We'll say it film's in 96. Uh, mm-hmm. Denzel would have been 42 years old. He's born in 54. So, you know, I don't think that's outside the realm. You know, Al Simmons is this. Wait, what? 52, you said? He would have been 42. No, he was born in. Born in 54. Okay. Uh, Will Smith was born in 68. So, in, so. Okay, so he's he would have been twenty eight. I think that's too young for Al. That's too young to be a lieutenant colonel. (laughs) That's some uh, that's some work to get to that status. Oh, that's right. He is a lieutenant colonel. I mean, yes, he is. (laughs) Yeah. So I view so I view him more as the like the CIA operative, but I view him at very much as you know. I think he is a very mature professional. He's been doing this for a long time. You know, I I think the older plays better, but you know. Uh, well, he, uh, how about this? Michael Jai White, mm-hmm. born in 67. He is just one yeah. little year older than, uh, than Mr. Will Smith, okay. whose name was, in fact, Captain Stephen Hiller. Nice. Why do I remember that? I have no I idea. I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. Can I remember my bank account number? Oh. <laughs> Why would you need well, that? <laughs> welcome, kids, to being a neurodivergent. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's... Uh, now, there is a race swap in the characters, so... His, sure. His buddy Terry in the comics is a black man. 
in this movie pay, played by D.B. Sweeney, and I actually saw a note. Um, Todd McFarlane. Who originally was supposed to play it? No, I didn't see that, but I saw the okay. reason for the switch. But who was originally uh, in, intended for him? Mr. Edward Norton. I mean, great actor. I love him and yeah. everything. I would have watched Fantastic. That. Um, but uh, he dropped out to do Rounders. Oh, which, like, yeah, such a better. I mean, good. Yeah, such good a better choice. movie. Good, yeah. much, much better choice. Yeah, yeah. Minus John Malkovich's terrible Russian accent. Terrible accent, <laughs> but such a wonderfully <laughs> delightful. Wicked, menacing. Oh, he's character. oh, his acting Teddy is superb. KGB, but yeah. that that accent is up there with. I want my bird. Yeah, <laughs> I want is. my bird. Which is odd for such an amazing actor. But I wonder if he's like, listen, what does it matter? I mean, and it doesn't. His no, it's actually it's probably more. It's a tricky accent. Okay, I can. I I am lucky enough for some weird reason to be able to do it. I think pretty well. Yeah, I, I you know I, I'm fucking around there, but I'm like sure, I want sure. my board. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're uh, doing Mickey Rooney doing I'm a doing... Russian accent. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a layer on a layer. That's right. So hat on the hat. So um yeah so in the character or in the comics, um, Terry Fitzgerald, who is Al's best friend, is a black man. Todd McFarlane said that in the movie they they changed the race of the character because they were in. These are his. Actually, I'm just gonna. So these are his words. I'm not quote him. Yeah, yeah. go uh, right ahead. Uh, so this is a paraphrase, but the the, the idea is his. Um, now he, Todd McFarlane said that this change was made by the studio to avoid having too many black leads, as they believe this would give the false impression that film's target audience was the African American demographic. So well, Spawn is a African American superhero, so. Why not? And the third African American uh, superhero uh, comic book movie. Really? So we mm -hmm. had Meteor Man. We had. I love Blade. that. That's the first one that you thought of. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Well, Blade," but yep. everyone forgets Meteor, Meteor Man. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proceeds it by like three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the third. Okay. All right. Uh, who else have you, uh, you got in the... Oh, last? Yeah. yeah for uh, Kali... 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 You can call yeah, him... Sure. You, you can call him Mil, uh, Merlin if you want. I'm 100% going to call him Merlin. The wonderful uh, Nicole Williamson, who... <laughs> yes, this was his last project. Was it really? He, re oh. he refused to grow uh, the beard that uh, he has... That the character has in the comic. I mean, he starts talking that opening voiceover narration. And I'm like, it's Merlin from Excalibur. It's a wizard. It's, it's a wizard, <laughs> which is funny because another wizard almost played uh, that character. Uh, one, Mister Richard Harris. Harris. Oh, ooh, that would have been good. <sighs> that that would have been good. I mean, look, you got two amazing actors that, that either one would have been mean, fine. How about poor poor Michael Gambon? Can we just? Take a hot second. Like, he is directed to do things that are fundamentally against what Dumbledore does in the co in the in the books. Yeah, but he's not giving a bad performance. The problem is, he's no Richard Harris. Richard Harris was perfect Dumbledore. Yeah, agree, agree. Oh, poor yeah. Michael Gambon. Yep, I like him in other stuff. Just he's not a not a very yeah. Good what's Dumbledore. the one where he's a crime lord? Is that Snatch? Is he the yes? Oh, he's yeah, and yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. if your first exposure to him is Dumbledore, 
I mean, you're buckle like, in, oh, kids. It's not. He's taking it's some terrifying. heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also the the general that takes over the toy shop in Toys. In Toys, which is that is the not thing. a kids movie, despite the marketing of it. <laughs> also, not a good movie. Oh, not a good movie at all. No, 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 hundred percent. Ron Williams is delightful, and so is Robin Wright. But sure. other than that, oh, it's a horrible movie. Just oof. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the production. Actually, I want to talk about the character first because I. Y- y- you go right ahead. I was light into Spawn. Okay. I bounced. Sadly, I didn't realize it. I was. I mean, when did Spawn come out? Ninety three. Uh, Ninety two. Spawn. Ninety two. So I was like eleven. Yeah. So this is an era in. So we've talked previously about the you know comics other than the big two Marvel and DC mm-hmm. right and arguably that you know the the number three I would say has to be Image Comics which was founded by Spawn creator Rob McFarlane and the other really the other superstar comic art uh, artists and writers of of the day uh, Image Comics is founded in ninety two. And mm-hmm. here's so listen to this list of its founders and just think about the stuff they create. Now I can name four, I think. Okay, go for it. McFarlane. Yep. Todd McFarlane. You said Ron or something else a oh, second ago. Oh, I may have, yeah. Um, uh Rob Liefeld. Yep. Jim Lee. Yep. Oh, I his name just left my brain. He was a Marvel guy and he left with Jim. Because Jim and, and him worked at with Layfield worked at Marvel all together, and they were frustrated with how things were going. Yep, that's why Image was created. I can't think of his name. Bart Sears, uh, not listed as one of the founders, but very very much could be involved there. So the other founders, uh, Eric Larson, Eric Larson, that's who, he did uh, Wildcats, right? He, with Jim Lee, he was the writer. Yes. Of Wild, he, yeah, yes, I believe so. Um, Wills. Port Portas, Portasio. He worked on mm-hmm. Punisher, X Factor, Uncanny X Men, Iron Man, Wet Works, Spawn. Um, Mark Silvestri and Jim, oh yeah 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 and Jim Valentino was Jim Valentino who you were thinking of? He worked maybe he worked in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah yeah. Uh, Eric Larson yeah, that, was an Amazing Spider Man artist as well. So I mean mm-hmm. yeah these are, but uh, it's this era where. You know, I actually had this like daydream thought for a minute. Like, you almost wish Jack Kirby had been of this era, or the idea of Image oh, Kirby comics, would have would have bounced yeah, out of Marvel yeah, so quick. Be- because this is a reaction to this really this kind of like studio system in which the artists and writers don't own the work they create and are paid you know pennies for this IP that becomes immensely valuable so man thank goodness that is all fixed now and there's no problems (laughs) todd please please add in the cricket sound before we continue thank you very much you mean oh no put it before we talk about it just cut right into it cut into the comedy gold of thank goodness it's all fixed (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know listen image comics still a thing still you know uh putting out very uh, great comics. They publish The Walking Dead. They published Invincible. They published Saga. Um, I love, fucking love Saga. Bone that you love, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. again, these. Uh, Shadow Hawk, was that his name? Mm. Hey, hold for one. 
I do Shadow. Hawk. Yes, Shadow Hawk. Shadow Hawk. I don't. That's not even on my radar. Uh, let me. <laughs> it's so good. Hey, <laughs> God. Save image. Oh, you're. There we go. I'm going to send it to you. Send this to you in real time. Okay. Shadow. Oh, my God. Okay. Did you just look it up? I just. I did. Oh, okay. It's so 90s. Yeah, it really is. Oh, Lord. But the whole thing was like the identity of Shadowhawk was the thing that kept us uh, having to keep coming back to it. You're using the Royal Us, because don't include me in that. (laughs) Us, comic book readers at the time. And then they did this huge thing where he was revealed to be an African-American with AIDS. And it was just just a bit too much at one time for my white suburban sensibility i'm sure it was transformative for others for me i was just like it wasn't just like oh they shouldn't be doing this i was like this isn't a comic for me anymore this is this is for a different demographic and that's fine got it got it okay well and then they did a bunch of variant covers and they started being like five dollars a pop also yeah yeah that and, and and you know the the creators own their content, right? So right. it directly benefits them to put out, you know, Spawn number one with seventeen different covers and foil covers, and right, like because again, if you if you own that, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, though, I doing research for this, yeah. Spawn one is worth dick now, really, because there were so, so many, many names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the Superman 75, which I still have floating around somewhere here in the basement. It's not worth anything because Superman's not dead. So is that the death of, that is that the death of Superman? Yeah, Superman 75, yeah. Got it. That was okay. the the death of Superman. Yeah. Uh that ranks right <clears throat> up there with the death of Wolverine, right? I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do? Wait a year and then they'll bring him back. And shocker, they waited, you know, X amount of time and brought him back. Yeah. Though surprisingly, you know who's still dead in the comics? Who's that? Alfred. Really? I didn't, know, they I didn't know he died the at ba- all. When they redid the Bane story, like, in 2018 or 19. Didn't know they redid the Bane story? Okay. <laughs> they Night- sure did. Uh, is that uh, Nightfall? Yeah, but it, I don't think it ended the same way. Okay. Um, obviously, because we didn't, thankfully, didn't get John Paul Valley again. Um, <laughs> he, introducing himself to somebody, he just walks in and just snaps Alfred's neck. And he is still canonically dead. And I'm like. But Alfred's his father figure. Like, without him, I'm pretty sure Bruce would go off the deep end. <laughs> I was a boy. Now I'm a bat. Uh, <laughs> I was a boy. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, we got to get, if we don't get on task here, Casey, we're yes. never fucking I, I, Okay. So, how so many spawn. people have already been like, man, they really don't want to talk about this? I know. Movie. We don't. Listen, we're going to fly through the movie. So, bear with us. Okay. Yeah. We're just dicking around. This is a good dicking around episode. So, so McFarlane. Has uh, immense success at Marvel. He does. He has a run on Incredible Hulk. He has a run mm-hmm. on Amazing Spider-Man. Those are amazing runs for both those titles. That's how he hit my radar. He realizes that uh, creating things for Marvel really is not in his own best self-interest because he's not going to retain any of it. It is all work for hire. The company owns all of it. So he leaves. He brings those other folks with him. Uh, they create Image Comics. And Spawn number one comes out in '92. Um, despite the fact that the issue is worth nothing today, it was, you know, 
I would say its popularity rivaled that of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was this almost like explosion of it's not Marvel, it's not DC, and oh my god, it's good. And it's certainly more violent than you would get in a Marvel comic um, until you got to like the Max imprint with Punisher and stuff. But yeah, it was it was it was amazing. I still remember reading this and being like, "Holy crap, this is!" And you know, mm-hmm. McFarlane also did a lot of Batman stuff, and he did oh, I didn't Batman's that. Batman's cape kind of like he does yeah. Spawn's cape all over the place. I'm like, oh hell yeah, yeah. this is the good stuff. Yep, it's like uh, our buddy Josh in our D and D adventure. It's that cape of billowing that just—it's a magical <laughs> item. All it does is billow uh, impressively, and yeah, that, that's it. Well, that's pretty much what the cape does in this movie. So, and you know, to McFarlane's credit, I think he does a really great job. He creates a really cool mythology with Spawn. Um, we learn in the comics as in the movie that. Uh, much like Ghost Rider, he's not the first one and he's not unique, right? He's like the latest of these hell spawns. Um, Literally all the spawns look like him in in hell. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, McFarlane spins this amazing creation mm-hmm. into, you know, comic books and then toys. And you, you reference the toys. His His toy line, they look amazing. As someone who, so I was in my, you know, mid twenties when this come when Spawn explodes. I'm 21 when Spawn premieres, and then when the mm. next couple of years, you know, I'm in my early twenties. I'm still connected to geek stuff enough. Um, I bought some of the collectibles. I thought they were cool, the, but the problem was like if you looked at those action figures the wrong way, they broke. Like. They That's were, the joke I was making at the beginning when you were saying you love it was air quotes love because uh, I I had a spawn action figure sure and it was fucking great for but ten minutes if I, it, yeah oh, well, uh, yeah keep going let me see if I can find it yeah. I'll send you a picture I mean they were so cool I mean I remember I worked with a guy at the for the city uh, the DPW before I went into the Air Force uh, this guy Mike who was he wasn't a geek like us. But he was connected to geek culture. I think his actual original love was like trading baseball cards. But he oh, was nice. he was one of those guys. I think he might have also sold well, he also sold some weed, but like he bought <laughs> he bought and sold collectibles. So trading cards. Uh he latched on to the spawn collectibles very quickly. He's the guy that taught me about um do you remember so do you remember some of these terms for some of the spawn action figures? Do you remember Party Angela? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because she wasn't mm-hmm. painted with panties underneath the bottom of the action figure, so she was deemed Party Angela. Um, <laughs> hamburger Donald Head Duck Spawn. Angela. Yeah, Donald Duckin. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so Spawn's this hugely popular, uh, immensely popular comic, and McFarlane very quickly, I think, latches onto the idea that there this can be more than a comic. So... Um, in 97, we get this film, which sadly, uh, you know, really falls short. Now, McFarlane has not stopped talking about a reboot or, you know, a reimagining, uh, since (laughs) I think since, uh, what he's shown me. Oh yeah. Was that the one? Awesome. Was that the one you had? That's what I had. But see, that was that's a display. But you see piece. this little metal bar. Yeah, that's the only thing fucking holding it up. So, <laughs> hang on to that picture because we need to we need to 
we need to share oh, yeah. that picture when we uh, when we drop this episode. But that is that is a collectible. That's something for you to buy and show. Mm-hmm. But you're not like you're not playing with it. Yeah, yeah. I finally, I sadly finally got rid of it. I would love to have it now, yeah. but um, I, I bought for Christian a few years mm-hmm. later. I bought. Um, I didn't let him, you know, he didn't watch Spawn, but they they were just cool figures. We I bought him a few of these, but they all broke like so fast. They had these yeah, intricate, totally. you know, the chains and these spikes and all these intricate thin pieces that that snapped the second you looked at them. So, all right. So in 97, this we get this movie. Um, the So McFarlane shares a writing credit because, of, of course, he would. Um, yeah. The other two guys with writing credits... Uh, one is the director, Mark Aze Dippe. Um, Dippe is mainly a visual effects guy. He actually has a visual effects credit from Jurassic Park um, and, mm-hmm. and lots of other stuff. As a director, not much. A lot of videos, a lot of video games. Um, honestly, this is probably his biggest thing as a director, um, sadly. Uh, well, and I think rightfully, I think yeah, he, I, I, yeah, hmm, yeah. I, listen, I don't know where the fault lies, uh, but um, then the other guy that gets a writing credit, uh, Alan McElroy, he wrote. Um, this caught my attention only because, you know, this movie. I, I felt there's a lot of things in it that kind of capture the the zeitgeist of the '90s, right? The angsty emo, dark, the crow. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, Alan McElroy writes the movie Rapid Fire that starred Brandon Lee. I don't know if you oh, ever, which is actually uh-huh. not a bad movie. Um, Never saw it, but yeah, I remember hearing about it. Yeah, he also wrote. Uh, do you remember Ballistic X versus Sever? <laughs> it was like the weirdest <laughs> marketing. Kit. Antonio Banderas. Yes, and Lucy Liu, I believe. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Wrote The Marine, which I believe was John Cena's movie premiere. I don't remember seeing anyone in the lead role in that movie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, he wrote the Tekken movie, which <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also wrote seven episodes of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> seven episodes, because that's kind of a yeah. a hodgepodge of a yeah. show. Some of it's pretty good, but some of it's like, oof, what uh, are we doing? Uh, and then finally, my last production note is the money, because of course these movies don't get made without it. Uh, much like the banana stand, much like there's always there's always money in the banana stand. Uh, this movie has a budget between forty to forty five million dollars. It does about eighty eight million at the box office. Not a commercial success, and absolutely not a critical success. No. If you if you take a nineteen ninety seven dollar to twenty twenty three, it's a conversion factor of one point nine. So that budget becomes seventy six million. And 167 million at the box office. So, yeah. And that's what I got for production. Yeah. This is only four years removed from Jurassic Park, which is, I just want to put that out there. Uh, You know, because of how, but the CGI in this movie is to move from what we got in Jurassic Park to this. It's almost like the studios are always looking for the cheapest <laughs> fuck over the artists way to get a movie made. That's fair. I think that's fair. Yep. May I remind you of our bumper at the beginning of the episode? Thank you very much. <laughs> and on that note, let's roll that film. 
Todd, do you want to do your note before I start? Yeah, reading? let's let's start. So go for it. Uh, we've already mentioned the amazing Nicole Williamson. For me, Merlin in John Borman's Excalibur, my yeah. favorite King Arthur movie. Um, one of Zack Snyder's favorite movies. Yeah, it's a it's that movie. Fuck, it's a good movie. Nice. That one almost hit my movie milestones. That was a that was a contender. Vanessa Redgrave, or is it? No, no, it's my no. Is it Helen Mirren? It's Helen Mirren. Yes. Yeah, super fucking hot. Mel I, Helen Mirren listen, is more, if, is um if Morgana, I, uh, Morgan Lefay, Morgana, Morgan yep. Lefay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if I listen, if I saw her today, I would politely, politely and respectfully hit on her because wow. <laughs> she's still yes. delightfully. Oh god, oh god, I, I, love her. I love her in red. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyways. Not a Helen Mirren yep. podcast, although can't. Helen okay. Mirren, if you want to come on and let two, yeah. you know, strapping young, younger dorky guys, <laughs> yeah, fawn all over you, please. But we get a great voiceover, and you know, despite the poor performance of this movie, I think this voiceover, interrupted by an action sequence, and then the continuation in, of the voiceover, I think classic nineties, really, yeah, does a really good job of, you know, if you're not a, a fan of the comics. It really gives you what you need to know to get started. The battle between heaven and hell has waged eternal. That army is fueled by souls harvested on earth. The devil Malbolgia has sent a lieutenant to earth to recruit men who will turn the world into a place of death in exchange for wealth and power. All the Dark Lord needs now is a great soldier. Someone who can lead his hordes to the gates of heaven and burn them down. On to our Wikipedia entry, which uh, is done... Delightfully by real humans still. Just got to point that out, too. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I, I will say. So, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Throughout the the opening voiceover narration, and especially as it bleeds into the title credits, <laughs> holy cow, lots and lots of billowing flame graphics. If you don't understand that hell is in this movie, like, here's, you know. <laughs> you are not paying attention to this movie. Acres and acres of billowing flame. Does Merlin's amazing uh, voiceover kind of set this movie up for failure? Like you're like, ooh, this is good voiceover. We're we're for a good movie. Uh, Ten I mean, minutes look, later, you're like, I don't think that's how missiles work. That's not how it works. Arguably, the best part of the movie is the voiceover. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe my favorite part. <laughs> maybe a favorite part. Yeah. 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 Okay. U.S. Marine Corps Force Recon. Yep. I'm a civilian here, Todd. I don't have a note here, but I'm going to jump in with one. Doesn't recon usually mean observe and report, not blow shit up? So, yes. However, that said, uh, recon is the Marine Corps Special Forces unit. So, And then the very next part of the sentence really kind of undercuts that. It's a little bit like... There's some stuff that I'll talk about later that is just ridiculous, like layering stuff that doesn't make sense. So, yes, he's a Marine... Corps Lieutenant Colonel mm -hmm. and, and a CIA operative. Yeah. Okay. Could he, he could he could be a retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel who then moved into the CIA. Yes. He could, yes, he could be a you know, he could be attached like I mean it just I mean on loan to the CIA it's something. Very, it's very it's and you know, he's all by himself. Like none of this is None of this makes sense. That's not how any of this works. Okay, so Lieutenant Colonel NCIA operative Al Simmons is assigned by his superior, Jason Wynn, played by the wonderful Martin Sheen, 
Um, oh. Hey, kids, story time. <laughs> uh, when your lovely wife and I uh, were in Camelot together, mm-hmm. since there is a passage of time in that show, much like there is in this movie, I thought, my character's going to grow facial hair as the show goes on. Much like Martin Sheen, some for some reason did. Oh. So opening number, I have a little mustache that I painted on and a little goatee. Then I connected it to be a full Van Dyke, <laughs> and Dauber's got the tape. You can you can see this. And by the end, I have painted a full goddamn beard on my and, face. And how old are you in this show? Sixteen. So it's eyeliner pencil. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. yes, one hundred <laughs> might have been your brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely possible. Uh, okay, I love it. So at first, I was going to make a shit comment about like, did did they like forget to call Martin Sheen? Be like, hey, we need you to have a beard because it's so short in that very first scene. But then the next day, when they are at the biochemical weapons plant in North Korea, yep. It's like almost a full beard. And then obviously the rest of the movie is a full beard. But sure. it's like with these reshoots, well, with this pickups, yeah. what's going on? So after the plant, right, it's five years later. So that's fine. But you're right. It, it, within within those two things, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. The, the other part, I'm like, oh, past their time. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. Like I, I remember once he showed up with just a little beard. Like a stubbly beard. I was like, oh, right. This whole movie, his beard just gets thicker and thicker. But then when they jumped and he had a full beard, I was like, oh. And then that sparked the uh, Camelot story. All right. All right. So Jason Wynn sends um, Al Simmons to infiltrate a biochemical weapons plant in North Korea, as I said. Despite Simmons growing moral qualms with the nature of the work. Unknown to Simmons, Wynn has ordered his top assassin, Jessica Priest, is this the most male gazy woman we've had on the on the podcast? I mean, she's right up there. Yeah, it's pretty I, fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, like this movie does not pass the Bechtel test. Yeah, she's coming out. She's dressed sexy. Okay, but then when like she's fighting, I feel like like she landed certain ways, and the director's like, "Do it sexier." Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. More cleavage. Yeah, it yeah. really made me very uncomfortable. I mean. But in the comics of that time, right? Like it's it's absolutely representative of of media at the time. In retrospect, it certainly doesn't wear well. Well, this is a character that was created for the for the movie. Yes, but if you look at the other characters in that era, you know they're all fighting boobs out, right? Like you know, chainmail bikinis. You mean like Angela? Angela, yes, yes. Who shows up in this movie? Oh, I missed that. Does she? Yeah, I'll, I'll point it out when we get okay. to it. Yeah. Looks like I'm up for a promotion. You wipe his ass, too. Wynn orders Jessica to murder Simmons while they're on the mission. Just one tiny baby problem. Wynn 100% murders Simmons. Priest sprays him with whatever is oh. the, the ectoplasm left over from Ghostbusters 2. And then Wynn throws the cigarello. And sure. I'm just going to like... He didn't. Why did why did Priest need to come in this mission? Could he not squirt that shit on him? Well, I love the fact that, <laughs> like, didn't you get the sense that Al was surprised that they were there? Yes. It's not like you're in the boardroom and you, you didn't know that somebody else was in the office because you're working late. It's like you're in this secret biochemical weapons plant in North Korea mm-hmm. that you've infiltrated by yourself. And then all of a sudden, like, 
your two office coworkers are like, oh hey, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, right, so we took. No, we carpooled. Oh, did you did you ride by yourself? We carpooled. Yeah. We Uber pooled together. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it, uh, yeah. Did um, you like so, the? I I was torn between. Oh wait, before you finish. Yeah. If there's any question with this movie where you say, "Do you like the answer?" <laughs> it's just no. no. <laughs> uh, I was torn between. So when Wynn shows up in the plant, he's got this Star Trek uh, flight suit. Yeah. So it's clearly intended to be some kind of a, um, and uh, flame retardant. No, no, it would be a like an NBC like mop gear, right? Like a your your protection against chemical or biological weapons. Thank you, because you said NBC, and I thought National uh, Broadcast Company, and then you said mop gear, bio- and I was like, yeah, uh, NBC nuclear biological chemical uh, mop mission oriented protective posture, which refers to how much of the gear do you have on? Sorry, it's all military stuff, um, but like. Okay, clearly it's supposed to be they're in a biochem plant, so you would mm-hmm. want something that would protect you. But the weird, like, 90s pleather biker jacket collar. I, all of it's all of it's bad. Y- it's yes, just everything in this movie is bad. There's yes. nothing. This movie is terrible. At, that's <laughs> the yeah, end. Okay, okay. So that's it for so the show, folks. For the- so. <laughs> oh, if only. Before Simon dies, he is set on fire by wind, and the flames cause the plant to explode. I'd see my previous note. Wynn yeah. murders Simmons. Yes. Simmons arrives in hell, where one of the hell rulers, that word again. Melbolgia. Yeah, Melbogia, uh, with, uh, how, what, what was the budget on this movie again? Uh, it was $45 million then, about $76 million now. Uh-huh. And yes, we can... This, they spent about six dollars on the CGI. We, uh, so, six dollars, not six million. Uh, it's, six dollars. And and the worst part is, you know, Mel Bolgia is a frightening character in the comics and in the 100%. comics, right? Like you, you should be afraid of him. He looks so ridiculous in this. I, I it immediately took me out of the movie. Do you know who does the voice of Mel Bolgia? This is the bargain. Oh my God! Well, I guess if you if you need a voice actor in the '90s, who do you get? You get Frank Welker. Yes, you sure do. Optimus Prime. No, how dare you? Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. Uh, He is Megatron. Megatron. Sorry, sorry, wrong Transformer. He's also Baby Kermit on the Muppet Babies. (laughs) Which, yep, it's just fucking great. He's also the Nazi uh, monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is he really? Mm-hmm. He also does a lot of animal noises. He's he's yeah. He he and does like, he have a Winnie it, the Pooh credit? No, you're thinking of uh, Jim Cummings. Who Jim I was going to say? Yes. You either if you need animal noises, you either get Jim sure. Cummings or you get Frank Welker. Oh, <laughs> he's one, the he's the original Fred in Scooby Doo. Right. Sure is. Yep. Okay. Got yeah. it. Dude's been around a long time and is just fantastic. I mean, he is recycling the Cave of Wonders from. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Aladdin in this, like when he walked, when he popped up and started talking, I wanted him to say, "Who disturbs my slumber?" <laughs> right, right. It's like, yeah, okay. So he probably saw the CGI. I was like, I'm not coming up with anything new. Uh, just gonna pull this out of my back pocket, and uh, yeah. we'll just do this. So uh, the, he had check in hand before the first line of dialogue. Yes. Write the check. I'll yes. start talking. Yeah. So Mamboja offers Simmons a Faustian deal. Ooh, aren't we getting fancy here on Wikipedia? Yeah. 
If Simmons becomes the eternal servant and leader of his army in Armageddon, Armageddon is highlighted on Wikipedia. I love that. Well, because would you, some people would you, may would not you like know to know means. more about the yeah. Armageddon. That's right. Uh, he will be able to return to Earth and see his wife, Wanda Blake. Simmons accepts the offer and returns to Earth. And moves. Todd. Oh, no. Okay. God. But how can we? I, I didn't. Again, Faustian. Yeah. yeah. Simmons is a bit of a dum dum in this moment. Like, he's like, hey, you can see your wife, but uh, get your soul when you die and you're going to be a. And he's just like, Cool, bro. Let's go. Like, there is no pause of thought. He's like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, fair. Totally fair. Totally fair. Now, upon his return as Spawn, he learns that five years have passed since his death. (laughs) Uh, We see him between the hamburger head face, the the hoodie, (laughs) getting some real Deadpool vibes here. Uh, Obviously, long before the Deadpool movie, but Rob Liefeld, also part of But much like in the Deadpool movie, fucking comic accurate. It looks oh, when sure. when Spawn pulls off his mask, yeah. that is what he looks like. I, I I'll give. Oh, the you saw the special effects team, right? Uh, I did not look at it. Ooh. Greg Nicotero and oh. and um, <laughs> the other guy, the other Walking Dead guy. I can't think of his name. Uh, Robert something. Uh, not Kirkman. Robert Kirk- oh, not Kirkman. Uh, not Kirkman. He created it. Yep. But his name, but as soon as I saw Greg Nicotero's name, I'm like, oh, right. Okay. The practical effects are going to be good in this movie. And they are. The, you know, so there's moments where we get the violator who looks, you know, John Leguizamo. But we also I, get a puppet violator at one point. We get I'm a like, puppet. Just use that. It looks just, great. It looks, it, every time they go to the CGI, it's like, oh, why do we go back to that? The practical effects are so much better. One yeah, That practical violator is pretty great. Yeah. Yes. I was like, uh, okay, yeah. Oh, uh, who? Uh, I feel it's uh, not feel, important, well, but it's it's, I mean, it's the Walking Dead team. It's the Walking Dead team. Yeah, Nicotero uh, is the name that you always remember because a it's Nicotero and he has a ginormous mullet. Robert Kurtzman. 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 He's the other, not yes. Kirkman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The two of them did all the uh, zombie stuff on yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, and they are. I mean, they're amazing. That. So, and I think, so McFarlane's illustrations, his art is great, right? Like, oh, yeah, 100%. The, the billowing cape, I would say, mm. even though it's so clearly CGI, it so clearly doesn't look real in the world, the best CGI in the movie is the cape, in my opinion. I think the it's the, the mask forming onto him. Okay. I thought that looked really good. I was like, yeah. okay, that was that was good CGI. The cape, it was that they hadn't figured out cloth yet. That was the problem. Yeah, it doesn't look real. It looks it, artificial on the screen. And weirdly, they built a um, practical cape. You can see it in promo shots for this film. That's right. And yet, that's right. it never is on him in this movie. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why the HBO series that followed this movie is so much better because... Oh, 100%. In animation, right? Like, it all makes sense. It all looks good. Um, and the fact that the fact that you kind of laugh at Malbolgia is not, you know, a, a plus here, right? So, you know, <laughs> nope. <laughs> if, to your point, Jurassic Park did dinosaurs better. If you're not going to go to that level of CGI... 
boy, it just it just drags the whole thing down. It's so it takes me out of this movie so much every time we see it. Every time. Every time. Um, all right. So Wanda is now married to to Al's best friend, Terry Fitzgerald, who's living as a stepfather to his daughter, Cyan. Uh, so is Cyan Al's daughter or Terry's daughter? No. Well, she's older than five. She looks so, well. But. She but there's yeah, she looks older than five. I mean, oh, this would have saying, been oh. super solved if they just had a like. It's her seventh birthday. That's about the age of the child. I think she looks about seven. Sure, sure. And there's nothing, or 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 is it something that was cut because later Terry says to Al something about like, do you know oh, about Cyan? Yeah, and like, yeah, was Wanda what pregnant? Is- that's a great question. I, I remember hearing that and then wondering what that referenced, and then I don't think it ever pays off. It, I think it's that. Like, this movie originally got an R rating. Apparently, they went through and cut a bunch of stuff, proving again that the MPAA are a bunch of idiots. Yep, big dum-dums. Yeah, they changed, like, two shots, and it got, it got a PG-13. There's another movie that got an NC-17. I think it's one of Tarantino's movies. Got an NC-17. Okay. He said, okay, I'll go edit some stuff. Didn't change a second of the film. He <laughs> shortened the title sequence to make it seem like he trimmed something. Yeah. R rating. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Yes. I, yep. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. The, yeah. The MPA. They make, uh, there's a documentary, I think, on... Is it? I don't think it's Netflix. I think it's actually on Amazon Prime. This movie is not yet rated. Uh, is that it? It I think it that's tri- what it's called. It yeah. tries to look at the MPAA, which is surprisingly difficult because they're incredibly secretive and there's no are, actual like the whole thing where we say you before you can get it was one, you, yeah. Now it's two. You can get two in a movie and still get a PG thirteen, but that's not actually written down anywhere. That's just kind of us being like, well, th- this movie had two fucks, but it's still PG thirteen, mm-hmm. and like people have like as long as it's not talking about, I'm gonna I'm fucking this person. If you're just sure. like, hey, fuck you, then it is a a PG thirteen. But this is all just what we've kind of figured out from how they rate movies. Yep. I don't mind being short, fat, and ugly, but the pay sucks. Spawn <laughs> encounters a clown-like demon named the Violator. If I had a nickel for every time John Langozamo played a little person, I would have two nickels. <laughs> Which is not a lot, but it's still super weird. What's the other one? Uh, by the way, uh, yes, that is a Phineas and Ferb joke. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, if I had a nickel for yeah. every time. <laughs> I fucking love Dupenschwertz so much. Uh, a platypus. I'm too old for it. I know oh, that it was a thing. No, never watched it. Here's the thing. You're not. Wow. <laughs> it is so funny. It is like Dexter Light. Like it is the Let's try that again. Archer. Okay. It's All Archer right. Light. That very it's good. that fast-paced jokey but without it being adult jokes. There's they're like yeah. family-friendly jokes. It's so good. Um right. But uh the other one is um Moulin Rouge. Oh, never seen it. Okay. He uh, plays Toulouse Lautrec, the oh, famous painter. The famous painter, yeah. Mm-hmm. The violator is sent by Malbolgia, who acts as a guide down the path to evil. I've already bitched about Malbolgia. Um, but John Leguizamo, so you just brought him up. I, I mean, listen, 
I don't think he's he's not giving a bad performance, right? I have every expectation that no, he's just in a different movie. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I like everything he's doing. He's the most interesting thing that's happening here. The worst part is Michael Jai White. So we didn't. So we talked about the almost cast. Michael Jai White, who plays Spawn, is a legit fighter, martial artist. He's got real credentials. Um, yeah, this movie doesn't show it. It but doesn't matter. You yes, might as well cast what's his name. Uh, Finn well cast Denzel Washington, for whoever the out fuck loud. the Iron Fist guy was, right? Like you might as well oh. cast him. It doesn't matter. Oh. It doesn't fucking matter. The there's no you're not using it his his abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. But at least Leguizamo is giving us this ridiculous, obscene, creepy. Like he's doing a great job with that character. I just think the movie is bad. And if I remember correctly, that is kind of how the character is. He's yeah. vulgar. He's oh yeah, yeah. L- like makes you uh, it's delicious. Makes you want to go kick a puppy, right? Like it's it's it, like so. He actually ate worms. He They're ate not- live wax worms. I just wax saw worms. That. Yes, and then immediately threw them up. But I was just like, thank you, IMDb. Yes, we yes. couldn't make a fake maggot. We had to well, have the- this. No, no, but they're they're moving though. Oh, that's true. They're moving. It's not like at first I thought, okay, there was one that was moving and he very carefully flicks that Flick off. That and the one. rest are just pieces. No, they're. Uh, but they got it. They did it in Lost Boys. They got around to having uh, Kiefer Sutherland not actually eat maggots in that. How the did fried they rice. Do that? Yeah. Oh, no, uh, no. I, I remember the you scene. You saw how, the fried rice and then it oh, cut then it away. Cut. Uh, you As know, they could have yeah. cut around it. Like, Well, listen. Ugh. Listen again. I give I give Leguizamo credit for what he's doing in the movie. Did you find it weird that he made a reference to ER and like f- five years later he would be on ER as a recurring character? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, he totally was out of place in that too. I don't I know remember, what. Remember, I don't remember him on that. And I watched he wasn't a lot on of very. He wasn't on for very long. He maybe did like a six. Maybe twelve episode arc, like half a season, quarter of a okay. season, hmm. and was just kind of like, like he he was. It was post Rocket Romano, okay. and they were trying to fill that yeah. that groove of the obnoxious doctor, but it was just, hmm. okay. I don't know. It just didn't it didn't work, and I think they eventually wrote him off as like a druggie or something. It was it was really rough. I was like, hmm. Ugh, all right, all right. Uh, now Spawn. Also meets and befriends a young homeless boy named Zach. Hey, did you recognize Zach's father? Uh, I I did not. I recognized Zach. Sure. I just I looked up who his father was and I saw. Go ahead, <laughs> Michael Papa John. Yeah. Also known third as third appearance. So if I had a nickel for every time <laughs> Michael Papa John was on this podcast, I would have five nickels, which is not a lot, but uh, still kind of crazy. That'll get you a video game. Not a good one, but uh, one play of a <laughs> shitty video game. As uh, soon as he showed up, I was like, holy shit. Is he, he's our most repeated non-starring role person. He's got to be at this point with three. Yeah, he's certainly got to be up there. I, I can't think of anyone more, but yeah. And I bet you he's done stunts and other stuff that we've done because he's a stunt Well, I, if we look at stunts, that's not fair, right? Cause it, but I mean, he also like, had... He has uh, lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recognize the kid Zach. Oh who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who I recognized from, uh, I think a really underrated, very good Bruce Willis movie, Mercury Rising. Yep. 
Love that movie. Love mm-hmm. that movie. That mm-hmm. is uh, the actor Miko or Miko Hughes. He did. Oh, he was in Kindergarten Cop too. Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. <laughs> yes, and he's in Pet Cemetery. Uh, Which Miko? Now, uh, not necessarily. They don't necessarily follow those gender norms. Thanks for the tip. Yes, yes, fair to say, fair to say. Girls can have penises, and boys can have vaginas. That's right, that's right. Men can be pregnant, that's right. It's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a fact. Okay, uh, so he meets Zach and a mysterious old man named Cogliostro. Yeah, Merlin. Yeah, Merlin. <laughs> a fellow Hellspawn who has successfully freed his soul and now fights for heaven. Spawn learns that Wynn, who... So... <laughs> I, so I think I already talked about the pleather. I mean, the dyed beard is jarring, it's, right? Like it's it's just the weird. dyed beard and the. I mean, that's I believe that's how J- Jason Wynn. Jason Wynn in the comics looks like that. He, yeah, so they're yes. going for comic accurate. I'm cool with that, but just like I don't know, sometimes black hair dye, especially on a beard, looks so fake. It like, looks oh, so you're, fake. You are. What? You are Dying that beard. When the rest of the face is clearly weathered and you have jet black facial hair. Like, that's why I rock the salt and pepper. The beard is almost fully gray now. But mm-hmm. I will. you will never see me take, like, the, you know, just for men to the beard. No, there's, uh, nope, we'll never do it. If it's gray, it's gray. So be it. Fuck it. I only do it for uh, shows sure. because I have the red on the side to make sure, it more sure, pronounced sure. on stage. Yep. Um. Now, uh. Wynn is now a weapons dealer and has developed mm-hmm. a biological weapon called Heat 16. <laughs> very, very 90s. God. So uh, dur- during a reception, Spawn attacks Wynn, kills Jessica, and escapes with the help of his necroplasm armor. So, two yes. things. Yes, during sir. this lovely little fight in the yep. thing, there is a young lady who is wearing a costume, which mm-hmm. I will share with you. Okay, so this is the Angela cameo. Oh, one hundred percent. And you're gonna go. Oh, yeah. That's. I wonder yeah. if they were setting up a potential prequel, which there would make go. a or sequel. Mm-hmm. That uh, would make a lot of sense. She is. I do not oh, believe she yeah. has a name. But look at it. The the earrings, the little sure. cross, the, the hair. The it's the exposing the sides of her rib cage because yeah. of course. Yep. Now initially she caught my eye because the white triangle in or diamond in the center of her chest. Yep. I'm like, I'm sorry, are we watching a Power Rangers movie? Yeah. <laughs> and then all right. of a sudden I looked at it more. I'm like, oh shit, that's Angela. And I looked in the notes in the uh on IMDB. It's it's definitely she's supposed to be Angela. Got it. Uh or one if not in like, oh, we're setting her up for a sequel. Yeah. As um just a little fun nod. Yeah. Uh Laura I be- Interval. I believe she's just Party guess. She's a Star Trek Voyager actress. What? She's been on Star. Uh, I'm sorry. She's been on Star Trek Voyager. Huh. She was in one episode. Uh, Aaron Hansen. One episode. She's on the Guiding Light. Well, what? Why am I not seeing her here on IMDb? What's uh, her character you, name? If you you have to go to the all cast, and then mm-hmm. she's right at the end of the named cast. Uh, she is, she's like the third from the end of the name cast, Laura Interval, Angela as Laura Step. Oh, she is listed what? as Angela. Yeah. Oh, now that she's not wearing the red, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. She was oh, also on Enterprise. Her, if you go to her IMDb page, the second picture there is clearly from a Star Trek property. How dare you? That is Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. Like I so I was Aaron, so I was right. So Hansen, I, was right? I may okay. not have gotten to this episode yet. Now no. um one episode in 1999. No, I did. What episode? Oh, Dark Frontier. Yeah. That was a fucked up episode. <laughs> I'm almost to the end of Voyager, and that is pretty much my thought on all of it. It's either like, that was a bad episode, or it's a, that was kind of a fucked up episode. <laughs> the, the, the year that this movie comes out, 97, she uh-huh. also has a credit, a one episode credit from Baywatch Nights. Oh, God. Did you... It got too expensive to film during the day. So, from the IMDb page for Baywatch Nights, Baywatch veteran Mitch Buchanan moonlights as a PI with his two friends, Garner and Ryan. In season two, Diamant replaces Garner, and Mitch's cases suddenly take a hard turn towards supernatural horror. Oh, yeah. Yes. The show the show became the supernatural of its time, yeah. Oh, it's the... Du- How dare you besmirch... Supernatural. Do not it was the that. supernatural of his time. I'm not saying it was as good as. I'm no. just saying oh. it was like werewolves and monsters and demons and shit. Yeah. Other things that are happening here. So, oh, oh, go oh no, go, go if we're talking about the fight, I have something at the very the, end yes. of it. That's my note. Okay. So, I. <laughs> the. I actually like I like the spawn costume. Yeah, the practical spawn costume, comic accurate. Looks great. Yes. Minus, you know, the cape. Well, the cape and chains, I think there's no at no point do you think they exist in the world with everyone else. So fully acknowledge that. That shot of him perched doing a Batman, like perched and it's billowing. Yes. It's the best it looks in the whole movie. That's as good as the CGI is going to look in this. Mm-hmm. And Acknowledging this bad. Um, the use of guns here, boy, this is no John Wick. So when <laughs> what's her name? Priest. Uh so the double hip firing, you know what double hip firing is good for? Looking looking co- dumb in movies because it's the dumbest fucking thing. Ugh. I, like uh, so so there's that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be really pedantic <gasps> here. It's your turn. Go your for thing. it. It's my turn. So first of all, she's theoretically a lethal assassin she comes out with these two submachine guns hip firing which okay um then after the attack when spawn is driven outside Mm -hmm. and you have the guards from the outside from the inside rushing out as the cops are showing up the guards inside have these white rifles that are they're the color guard props yep you could use them as a bat i guess if spawn swung down next to you you certainly can't use them as a rifle, and they don't have ammunition. Yeah, they're they non-firing, right? Props. They're props. Yeah. They're parade pieces. Yeah. Um, the cops that show up have M60s, which are not law enforcement weapons. Speaking of dumb hip, double hip firing, the M60 is the uh, automatic weapon that Rambo does the double hip fire from in Rambo Two. Mm-hmm. Just as accurate. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Rant over, Rambo please. two or Rambo First Blood Part Two. I'm sorry, Rambo First Blood Part okay. Two, where he goes back to Vietnam. Yeah, when he comes back in, when he comes back, Murdoch. Yeah, 
I'm coming for you. And he, you know, and he crumples the, the microphone. No, yeah. because I've Please. never seen a single Rambo film. What? Are you? Are you? I'm so glad you fu- I waited. You're fucking I'm with me. so glad Wait, I waited. Are you fucking seven with me? seasons. Why do you hate <laughs> Sylvester Stallone? I don't. I just never watched him. That was so good, though. So, first of all, the first movie oh, is wonderful. First Blood. The first movie is wonderful. The, I used to listen. Oh, I, it's now defunct because the one guy was yes. the Bean Dad guy. But um, remember Bean Dad? I no, I don't know. Oh, his is, daughter wouldn't couldn't open a can of beans. Friendly fire. So, right? Yeah, so they sat there all day, and he she didn't eat, and he tried to play it off as like, oh, haha, it's funny, and people are like, no, feed your fucking daughter, like, oh my, God. and then he like kind of bullied some people, and then it came up. Was he the like the pedantic? guy? He was like the guy the, that the, the old sign sounding guy on. When there? I sent you the clip of them like fighting, and the one guy's yeah. like, I don't know what you want from me right now. The guy that he was yeah. saying that to, yes, John. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It yep. was. Uh, I listened to makes it perfect sense. solely because those two other guys are the Star Trek guys. I'm like, oh, I'll listen yes, to another yes, one yes. of their podcasts. But he drove I, me nuts. Yeah. Yes. I I listened to a few on your recommendation, but he was the part that was hard to listen. Uh, to. But they did First Blood, so I've heard the entire story, and holy shit, it sounds like a great movie. I've just never gotten around to watching it. It, it is, and it's it's based on a wonderful book. Hey, hey, everybody, if we are talking about everything other than this movie don't worry everything we're talking about is better than uh, <laughs> is better than uh, okay know, so I'll just put a check in the next thing we're going to talk about is the Ebola virus because that is sure, better sure, sure. also, also better. very 90s uh, so the Ebola virus that's got to suck huh <laughs> the first blood is based on the novel first blood written by David Morrell mm-hmm. he was like the Tom Clancy before Tom Clancy yep. he wrote about this Shadow world of special forces and operatives. His books are wonderful. I probably read like I went on a kick where I think I I got my hands on like ten of them and just read them one after another. And they're so good. Did you read First Blood? The, I did read First Blood. You know, spoiler. Yeah, it's a little different than the. Uh, well, they shot the original he, ending. They shot the original ending, and it started yes. testing so well that they wanted to keep that character going. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, his books are very much like the original ending, right? Like, it's a dark world, yeah. and if you survive, it's only you've survived for a time, right? Like, it's, <laughs> Or it's you all... survived, but at what cost? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so First Blood is good. You know, Brotherhood of the Rose, Fraternity of the Stone are even more fun, and uh, if, if you like action and you like that fantasy, fictitious world, yeah. uh, I love Tom Clancy. As an author, not his politics, um, <laughs> I love David Morrell's books more than Tom Clancy's, and that's a that's a. But how point. do you like Morrell's politics? I don't know anything about his politics. He's Canadian. <laughs> no, I'm sure oh, they're better. So I'm, I'm sure, sure they're, they're better. better than Clancy's. Yeah. Oh, he's still alive too. He's 80 years old. Oh, good he's still for him. Alive. Good for him. All right. So at the end of this, uh, as you said, uh, Spawn kills Jessica. Right? Did yes. you catch the bullshit dialogue at the end with the EMT? Uh, again, I'm assuming they were trying, they were leaving something to set up. No, because... All right, what do we got here, fellas? Gunshot wound to the head, Doc. Oh, she's dead. No shit, she's gone. (laughs) There is a bullet that has gone through her brain, straight through the center. There's no surviving that. Tis but a scratch. 
Oh, you made a Monty Python hey, reference. Hey, a movie we watched. Yeah. Yeah, I just I but then yes, yeah, she is put in that cryogenic chamber. So I'm wondering if they were setting her up to be returning for the next movie. Well, I, this character got brought into the comics and Oh. Yeah, and I think there was a little retcon. Um where did I see it? I saw a note. Uh, so this by. is like a Maria Hill situation? Yes. Uh, yeah, right, okay, from the, from the Wikipedia page. In the comics, Al Simmons' murderer is Chapel, a character created by Rob Liefeld for the comic Youngblood. Jessica Priest, a character created for the film, took Chapel's place in the movie. The comic book storyline was later retconned so that the original character, Jessica Priest, would take his place while Al's killer was Jason Wynn. Chapel's involvement was forgotten. So, yeah. uh, so this is a Larcona Paris situation? Sure. On Star Trek The Next Generation, Robert Duncan McNeil played a character named uh, Lacona. Uh, there was an episode where they performed an illegal move at the Starfleet Academy, and somebody died, and there was an investigation. Wesley was involved, and that character, Larcona, was supposed to be who Robert Duncan McNeil played on Voyager, but then the... UPN and Paramount lawyers went, hey, if you have Larcona in every single episode, you have to pay the guy that wrote that episode, First Duty, sure. every single okay. episode that he is in. Sure, so sure. they just took the character, wiped a little bit of the history away, and renamed him Tom Paris, but is 100% supposed to be the same character. Did you say Larcona? La- Larcona? Larcona. Larcona. Larcona yeah. what is, what's the name of Captain Picard's Borg identity? Locutus. Same thing. Okay, close enough. No, All it's right. not. Ah, same Locut- thing. Locutus and Vox. So cute. You enough. don't know Vox because you didn't watch Picard. I didn't watch shit. I've, he- I've heard some of the movies you like. You've definitely watched shit. Oh, how dare you. Listen, I can't wait till we do Roadhouse. Go ahead. Oh, well, have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be the guest host uh, on that episode? Sure fucking going to be me. Easy, guys. So following the attack by Spawn, the Violator convinces Wynn to have a device attached to his penis. I mean, to his heart. It would have been better. <laughs> would have been better. Would have been 90s. Yeah. If you got an erection, yeah. everyone dies. That's right. That will release Heat 16 worldwide if his vital signs flatline as a deterrent against assassination attempts. Malboglia wants Simmons to kill, win, and initiate the apocalypse. What? What is this triple cross double? What? I, you just can't trust a demon. Jesus. It's so convoluted. It shouldn't have been Malboglia's plan. All of this should have been the violator. It should have all been he has win, put the the thing in his heart, and then he's also like, I'm going to get Simmons to kill you now. Ma-ha-ha. Then I... No, hard disagree because, again, unlike how Goofy looks in the film, in the comics, he's horrifying. So you've already undercut him with this shitty CGI. You can't undercut him by making him not realize what's happening. He has to be the big bad. He's the big bad. I mean, he could know what's happening, but just be like, but like have... Uh, the violator says something like, "It doesn't make the movie better." Yeah, Why change it? It wouldn't make better, the movie right. better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there. I got you. I got you with that one. <laughs> yep. Spawn confronts the violator, who turns into his de- demonic form and beats him down. When the violator says, "I'm not the vindicator or the victimizer or the vaporizer or the vibrator," except for the vibrator, those are all the brothers. Some. Thing. What is the the group? There's a group of oh. these beings. Oh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. The Vindicator, the Violator. Uh, let's the, see. They are the Flabiac Brothers. Yes. The, thank you. 
uh, which and who's the one that's being replaced by the vibrator? Because there's a there's a brother that he doesn't mention. The vacillator. The vacillator. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so I just thought that was fun. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I I didn't get it, and or when I watched this as a kid, I didn't get it, and then I always was like, oh, he said his name, the vibrator. Yeah, right. Watching it this time, like those are. Aside from the vibrator, those are very specific words you are saying. So I tickety 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 to the internet and found that out. I didn't catch that at all. Good catch. The only thing I caught was those names were pretty different. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, what was your note? Here? No, just uh, and again, we talked about previously the, where the violator is practical here. It looks really good. Yes, a hundred percent. Yep. Okay, so Castigli, yeah, uh, Merlin uh, rescues. <laughs> <laughs> rescues him and teaches him how to use his necroplasm armor with Zach hey. in five minutes. It's a training montage. Yay. But it doesn't feel like it's a training montage to cut down, you know, days of training to five minutes. It feels like it is literally five minutes. Like, you're good. Go. Yeah. Kick some demon ass. Yeah, that's Make fair. sure you behead them. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Oh, God. Okay. So, Spawn learns the Violator and Wynn are going to kill Terry, Cyan, and Wanda. Now, Terry sends an email incriminating Wynn to a fellow newsman. <clears throat> Sexist. She was a woman. <laughs> or at least female identifying. Come on. To a fellow news person. Yes. Just as the email is sent, Cyan and Wynn enter the room. Wynn destroys Terry's computer and takes the family hostage. Spawn, Cogliostro, and Zack arrive and nearly kill Wynn, but Spawn extracts the device from Wynn's body instead and destroys it. Spawn's powers are all over the place in this movie. Does he have this power? Does he have, like, vision-like powers to be able to take shit out of people like that? Ah, I... Hmm. Or is this just them being like, well, they fucked around with Superman's powers in the Superman movies and nobody cared, so we'll just do it too. I'm looking on the wiki page. I Energy and matter manipulation, I guess that applies to himself. Oh, matter manipulation, okay. I guess. I, but he's a little like Superman, like, what do I need the powers to be? Oh, yeah, I have that. Movie, movie Superman. Uh, how, how dare you? Comics as well. Uh, no, his powers are pretty set in the comics. Super reading, I guarantee you, super reading is a power in the comics that Superman has. Yeah, and he's always had it. That's how he gets the job of the Daily Planet. Super. I, wait, I, wait, you're saying. Yeah, come on, come to my web. <laughs> come on, you got this. No, Superman has ridiculous powers in the. Okay. I'm not arguing that Superman doesn't have ridiculous powers. Sorry, Colin. But. They are set. Like, yeah. every once in a while, they'll give him some new dumb power, but it's not like he's put in a situation and suddenly like, oh, this doesn't affect him anymore. Like, stuff has been fucked with. Like, he can breathe in space. He can't breathe in space. Superman. He holds his breath in space. So, from an article on IGN.com, uh, an article oh, that was boy. posted February 4th, 2015, entitled, Superman's 15 Weirdest Superpowers... I'm gonna. Oh, are we talking? Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Are we talking Golden Age? I, I yes. said comics. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm, sorry. Golden Age comics were a fucking circus. <laughs> oh no! You have to listen to this now. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna run through them. Yeah, go for it. Super mathematics, super ventriloquism, super <laughs> weaving, super shape shifting, and super telepathy. Oh yeah. Sure. Super mini me generation. 
Oh, good Lord. Super caller ID. Yep. Ooh. <sighs> super amnesia kiss. Oh, that's Silver Age Superman slash Superman 2. Uh, uh-huh. Super, 100%. super dancing from Bronze Age Superman. <laughs> also from the Bronze Age, super eating. That was Action Comics number 454 it, with, a, sure. with a cover price of 25 cents. Uh, super cellophane. Looking at you, Superman 2. Super Diamond Production, Superman 3. The Super Force Field from the post-crisis Superman. Super uh-huh. Entropy. Oh, we haven't done Superman 4, The Quest for Peace yet. Uh, Electric Superman from the post-crisis Superman. Uh, so I'm going to grab this link and just <laughs> will probably share this when the... Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. So we'll share. Yeah. We'll be like, we were talking about Spawn, but got on Superman. How? Here's how. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 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 No, it's totally fine. Uh, all right. Let's finish this summer. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, Superman powers. Let me just save this link. Insert here into our. That is, in fact, what she said. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right. With the plan foiled, Violator sends Spawn and Cogliostro to hell, where they both battle the demon before subduing him. So I said at the beginning, and I'm going to say it again because it it needs to be underscored. This, what should be the climax of the movie, is not even a good video game cutscene. It's a shitty video game cutscene. Yeah. Uh, There's no words to describe the disservice that these effects do for 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 this part of the movie. Like at this point, all I could do was I was just could not wait for the movie to be over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had fully checked out by this point. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this thing. Now spawn is then confronted by Mel Bolgia and tells the demon that he will never lead hell's army. Spawn escapes with Cogliostro just before they are overwhelmed by Mel Bolgia's forces. Violator having recovered follows them. A final battle ensues ending with spawn decapitating the demon with his chains. Violator's head taunts the group and threatens his return before melting and returning to hell. Last question. Yeah. So how do you kill a demon? Because Merlin specifically says, before he tells him to cut off the Violator's head, earlier he says, if you had turned, I would have cut off your head. It's the only way to kill a demon. Like, set in stone. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. Technically. Violator is a demon? Violator is a demon. Technically. Spawn is not. He's a hell spawn. Well, actually, is a is a hell spawn considered. He's a referred to as a demon in this movie. Okay. Uh, so the rules of this movie, he is a demon. Yeah. Um. I mean, listen. In D anD D, if you kill a powerful demon in the material plane, then you send you destroy the body here, and you send him back to uh, the abyss, where it takes him a hundred years. It takes a hundred years to reform and come back to haunt you. So. Oh, Let's Lord. go with that. That's as good as sure. anything else. You Why can not? Yeah, it's better than they spend any better time than on. They spend any time on. Because it it was like he was dead. If Merlin had been like, he'll be back in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously the end of this movie is setting up two and three. That was the this was a planned trilogy. Yep. But then this movie tanked. So like there was breadcrumbs left all over this movie for it to be a sequel. Oh yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Now, finally, Wynn is arrested, and Spawn, realizing that there is no place for him in Wanda's world anymore, dedicates himself to justice rather than succumbing to his lust for vengeance, 
and returns to the streets with Cogliostro and Zach. And Zach. And, and uh, no, and oh. the dog. What was the dog's name? Scrap? Spark? Spaz. Spaz. Oh, after Spies, Steve Spaz Williams. Uh, oh, uh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Okay. And that is movie. Thank the Lord. Hey, Todd. Hey, Casey. We never have to watch this movie ever again. Oh, thank God. Oh, that was just... That's just... just that's that's the good feeling I have right now. Mm. I'm done. Yeah. You know? Never have to watch it again. You're not wrong. But we do have to ask some questions about it. That's true. We do. Beyond why, why is this movie <laughs> uh, a movie in existence? Yes. Um, who was your favorite character, Todd? I mean, as some people, I think it was our buddy uh, Matt Holthauser talked about, you know, I've broadly said that if your favorite character isn't the title character, that's a problem. In this movie, that's a problem because Spawn should be my favorite character and it's not. It's Violator. It's Spaz. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. It's the doggo. What a good dog that dog was. Uh, Casey, what is the best scene in the movie? When the credits start rolling, I'm bringing it back because seriously, when those credits started rolling, <laughs> I felt a wave of relief, <laughs> of relief and joy, adulation, even okay, that this movie was over. Uh, well, let's go, um, let's do bookends then. I'll say the opening voiceover narration had me optimistic oh, thinking we were going to get a good movie. Sh- there you go, okay, yeah, yeah that, that works for me. Uh, hey, Todd, what's yeah. one scene you would cut? So right at the end of the voiceover narration, and then right before the end credits roll, yeah, so uh, pretty much that piece. Yeah, let's do that. More specifically, it's when John Leguizamo eats the maggots. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. That had no no reason sure. to be in this movie. Okay, all right. Uh, and finally, and, and this one actually I think is very easy. Uh, Casey, who is the actor having the most fun? John Leguizamo, star. I don't like the performance. <laughs> Fair. Uh, and I think that that's despite the fact, you know, there's no way. He has described, I saw this on the IMDb page, uh, he described the clown, the violate, the clown costume as uh, a penis wearing a penis a in a condom. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no way was okay. that fun, but boy, I mean, it doesn't impact what he's doing. Though I also read that uh, he needed to go to the bathroom one time, and they could not get him out of the costume quick enough, and he joins the ranks of uh, George Clooney and just peed right in the suit. Let it go. It's yeah. uh, that is oh, oh my god! I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Is it? Is it Alan Shepard or is it John Glenn in the right stuff? It's Shepard, right? Uh, the the astronaut who the they're delayed so long 
Uh, he's in his flight suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, unless you want to go get a a wrench and uh, and let him out of there. Uh, yeah, I think it's Shepard. The first, right? The first, yes, yes. Uh, Shepard, yeah. Yep. Uh, during the first American space flight on May 5th, 1961, NASA did not give astronaut Shepard a urine collection device, and during his four-hour wait on the launch pad, he had to urinate in his pressure suit. Yep. So. Uh, oh, and then get shot into space. Yep. Yep. Just urine f- fucking around in there. That's uh, gross. Played, of course, uh, by... The wonderful uh, Glenn can no no um uh, oh, t- uh stick uh oh my god oh my god how am I how am I stick uh stick in in uh Scott Glenn oh my god I am so embarrassed I can't believe it oh Scott Glenn oh in in um god. in Daredevil. Yes. 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 Sorry. Okay. All right. I always forget Ed Harris was in this, and I'm like, boy, Ed Harris did a lot of. Everyone is in that movie, that, but Ed Harris has two, um, space movies under his he, belt. Two, two of the best space movies under his belt. Apollo, uh, Apollo 13, thirteen and the right stuff. Yeah. I just watched it like a year ago, the and right, the right stuff. No, no, oh, Apollo, Apollo thirteen. 13. Mm. Um, God damn it, that movie is just. Yeah. I think so good. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Yeah, we've been here a long time. I'm not going on another tangent. Okay. <clears throat> so, Casey, would now we mentioned at the end of the last episode. Do you happen to remember what the this IMDb, is a mid fives? It's a five point two. Wow. And, okay. I'm I'm gonna just go right ahead and reverse those numbers. Two point five. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm gonna drop in. A clip from one of the best baseball movies of all time, Bull Durham. What's our record, Larry? Eight and sixteen. Eight and sixteen. How'd we ever win eight? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So, Casey, uh, this is the that part of the movie. movie where we're going to this is part of the podcast. The podcast <laughs> where we're going to pull a great movie. <sighs> and by we, I mean me, since I'm I so am scared. still in possession. Which I'm I feel so like scared. it's time. No, to it's still nope. Okay, all right. Not until episode ten. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, I have. Because I did ten episodes, okay, then you did the right, back okay, ten. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's there's a lot of words on the paper. Oh no, you know oh. what? Season season seven. Maybe we had a couple of rough ones, but episode three of season seven. Casey, this character works in black and sometimes shades of gray. The Lego Batman movie? The Lego Batman movie. Yay. Yay. Let's watch a trailer. Oh, let's watch that trailer. Computer, how do I put the Joker in Arkham Asylum? Quickest route, no freeways. Computer, do you hear me? Hello, Master Bruce. I've just taken away your computer privileges. Gasp! Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. You can't spend the rest of your life alone, dressed in black, and staying up all night. Good night, Alfred. Sir, it's morning. You need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising your son. I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. The young orphan you adopted at the gala. 
I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. What? It's the bat cave! Oh my gosh, 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 oh my Batman? Whoa! You're darn right, whoa. Wait, does Batman live in Bruce Wayne's basement? No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. Wow, do I get a costume? Don't touch that. The Mariachi. I like that, one. that one is culturally insensitive. Night Terror. What do we think of this? Glam Bat. This one. Absolutely not. Wait, what's that one there? I love it. My only trouble is these pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. Rip! It's better. Now I'm free. Now I'm moving. Come on, Batman. Let's get grooving. I can only look you in the eyes right now. Are you ready to follow Batman and maybe learn a few life lessons along the way? I sure am. But first, where's the seatbelt? The first lesson is life doesn't give you seatbelts. Alfred, I have incredible reflexes. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I am so sorry. As soon as I get back to the Batcave, I will make sure that Alfred puts seatbelts on there. But for the time being, I'm just going to put my arm right here, and we're just going to gently ease out of here. Real gentle-like. I can't wait to thank I love solely the voice of Bane is Doug Benson. <laughs> and the reason it is Doug Benson is because on his podcast, Doug Loves Movies, yep. he would do he would when people would play with name tags to, yeah. for people to win the prizes. Yeah. And he would be like, Name tags come out of the shadows. <laughs> he just did a shitty Tom Hardy impression. Yeah. And they cast him. Based so this is not like me giving hearsay. Sure. He said it on his podcast. The directors have said oh. it. I just, I fucking love it. And it's Billy Dee Williams as Two-Face. He finally gets to play Two-Face. Yes. I mean, the who, the who's who, we're going to have to, and of course, uh, our man crush, Jason Manzukis as Scarecrow. Like, mm -hmm. uh, And also, um, a, a future standout performance in the Barbie movie. Michael Sarah as yes, Robin. As Robin, yeah. Uh, Hi, I'm Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just Alan. Oh, now Casey, do you want to guess what the Lego Batman movie is rated on IMDb? I'm gonna say this is probably in the high eights, low nines. I think it's criminally low. It's oh, a fuck. seven point three, you which is not horrible, fuckers. but that's too low. That's too low. It is the Batman purists who are like, Batman isn't funny. Batman should be funny at times. Because uh, if he's always dark and brooding. you got to have dynamics. Yep. Oh, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm a big fan of Will Arnett and uh, uh, Smartless and, and was literally listening today to the episode with, who the hell was it? Natasha Leone. And she, she oh, yeah. throws the line about uh, black sometimes. Sometimes Shades oh, great movies. Dark gray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, that's from the Lego movie. This oh, movie sure, sure, starts sure. with right. yes. black. All important movies start with black. Yes, yes, yes. Cannot oh. fucking wait. Oh, I'll bet I'll bet I'll be I'll bet I'll be able to get Oh, you know what? This one might be a family movie night. I'll bet I can get yeah. I'll bet I can get both Joe and Jack and Aubrey to sit down and watch it. 
Yay. And, uh, yeah, I bet I'm sure Elliot will watch this with me. Yay. Yay. So, Todd. Casey. That was a movie. Technically a movie. Our next Air one, though, quotes much movie. better. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I feel so good. Talk about a palate uh, cleanser. Not- Good news, everybody. I'm not quitting the podcast. Yay! Yay! Good Season news? Seven, question, mark? question mark? That's right. <laughs> All right. So, sorry, folks. Uh, we have delayed our introduction of Roadhouse uh, pending Casey's departure. Uh, stand by for Roadhouse. Stand by for Roadhouse. All right. You realize nobody wants this, right? <laughs> Everyone wants this. You're the one person right. that does. Listen, we TSVHC, will do a poll. Yes. We'll, we'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. T- I'm, I'm confident enough. That if we do a poll, yeah. and it is not a landslide victory, oh, it's, you're not allowed to mention Roadhouse ever again oh, being done on this well, podcast. Well, first of all, I feel like you've stacked the deck there, landslide victory. I think let's just go with a simple majority. Mm-mm. Yes, Mm-mm. yes, yes. Either. No, yeah. because if 10 people vote and you are one of the yeses, because I know you will be. Of course. Well, you, are, wait, are you going to be one of the no's? No, sir. I will not vote. Then I, then I will not vote either. I don't believe you. <gasps> No, I'm telling you I won't vote. I'm telling you I won't vote. I won't vote. I won't vote. But I will tell people to vote, yes, Roadhouse is an awesome fucking movie. Because No, 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 no. Wait, wait, hang on. That is not what we are voting. What are are we voting? voting? Whether or not we should do it on this podcast. Yes, it should be a special. It should be a special... Yes, the merits of Roadhouse will be will never be discussed in this podcast because we will not be doing it. But it's not whether or not it's a good movie. Okay, so let's the poll that way. Simple majority. And listen, I'll give you a path for it. We did a double feature that we're not superhero movies. We have a path to get non-superhero movies into this podcast. So to you, our listeners, and I don't want the poll to go up until after this episode drops. Because yeah. I want this in there. Because it'll just be fucking confusing. Like, sure. Why the hell is this superhero well, podcast random. talking about Roadhouse? So, so folks... You want to hear us talk about Roadhouse and the fucking masterpiece of American cinema that it is? Vote yes. If you're a Debbie Downer like Casey, vote no. And, and I'll just show my Faustian hand right now. If we do this, it will be a double feature, and I'll make you watch a fucking musical. Uh, that's fine. It'll can't listen. Patrick Swayze dances and fights. He's a he's a he's a double threat. I, I'm totally. I fine will with make that. you watch the motherfucking Pirates of Penzance. Uh, you gotta connect it though with the double feature that you have to find some. There's way singing to link and dance. There's dancing. There's in fighting. Roadhouse. There's, there's fighting. Uh, right. Well, listen. That's pretty weak. We'll come back to that. Let's first figure out if it's coming on the podcast. So, listeners, <sighs> pick a side. Listen, you can't stand on the sidelines. You gotta pick a side and. Uh, are we doing this great movie, or uh, are we just crazy? <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, Casey, where should they look for all of our social media stuff? Uh, if they oh look at look in the liner notes. Yeah, uh, that's, sure. It's all there. What I do want to point out yes. is that as of this release of the episode, we are just two months shy of my return to stage in one <laughs> Mr. Sweeney Todd, the yes. Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Now, theater location TBA. Okay. Hey, TSPHC Army, this is Casey, early morning here in the editing room, just letting you know that Sweeney Todd does have a new location for its performances, and that location is 167 South 4th Street in Fulton, New York. Thanks. Well, listen, Um, if if you're in central New York or 
Matt, if you want another uh, vacation oh, in Central New York, road trip, come on up. <laughs> Matt, if you come up for Sweeney Todd, I will buy you a beverage of your choice. Yeah, listen, Matt, if you come back up, we're like your next Syracuse visit. I feel like we need to treat even better than we did the first time. Uh, so yes, but if anyone wants to come to this show, uh, let us know when you're coming because I'm going to go see the show. Maybe we'll go on the same night. We'll grab a beer before, or after, or both. Yeah, yeah, totes. Well, I won't. Get one before. I You'll get be, one after. Yeah, I gotta be in fighting shape for for this fucking show. I dragged the beer into the podcast. I think they knew who the uh, bad influence here. Yeah. So Casey, that was a movie. That was a, that was a air quotes movie. movie. Yeah. Oh, so join us next time. We're gonna do a much better movie. Yeah, a cartoon. Charles, sorry. That's right. But oh, uh, I think I probably forgot this in our uh, episode one twenty one. Oh, so, no, you did. I totally did. Music for the podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. Find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. So, that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic, And I've been your moderator, Danny Ryan. Be Heroic. Be heroic. All right, man. That was a uh, episode.